Welcome to the Geek Geek Podcast, where S foils are locked in attack position. I'm Void, and I'm here without my co-host Bija this week. He would say something here, but he's not here. Uh, today, I am talking about Star Wars Squadrons, because BJ's gone, and I've been playing this game, and he hasn't, so it's a good week to talk about it. Um, he'll be back next week, so things should be back to normal. For Star Wars Squadrons, I just want to touch on it really quick, because... It's kind of an interesting game. Um, it came out at this like $40 price point, which is just not a typical game price that comes out from big studios, not big studios, but big publishers like EA. And I, I don't know, I like this game, but it's fascinating that like they released a title without rolling out uh, a plan for like ongoing support, without microtransactions, without turning it into a live service. And they seem okay with that. You know, they packaged it as a $40 standalone game, even though it has multiplayer, even though it has interactive elements that are kind of, you know, endless. If you want to think of them that way, you can just keep going back to multiplayer or not. Um, and it's pretty good. It's like a pretty good game. It It's not amazing. It's not crazy fantastic but it's it's good um you know i like it i like that there are squad mates in the story and these squad mates have personality and the story actually the the in-between parts of the story when you're not in a mission those feel like star wars in an interesting way that we haven't gotten before it's kind of like the downtime on a ship for like the rebels or the empire even though in the era that we're talking about it's actually like the imperial remnant and the new republic but the story was definitely my favorite part of it. That's kind of what pulled me through the main game. And the campaign here, again, is scaled down to be like a $40 campaign, right? It's not a full $60 game. There's a decent probably five to seven hours of story campaign, depending on how good you are at the game and how fast you blast through it. And if you actually stop to talk to your squad mates in between missions, um, and I enjoyed it. I like I enjoyed my time with that, you know, and the story was definitely my favorite part. I beat it. I beat it all the way through. And the gameplay in the game is pretty fun. Um, it's slightly less arcadey than something like a Battlefront 2. And it really feels more like like Rogue Squadron or like TIE Fighter and X-Wing, like the older games. Um, and it kind of splits the difference between those two. So if you have like the Rogue Squadron trilogy, I think it's a trilogy as a point of reference or X-Wing and TIE Fighter games from even before that as a point of reference, this game sits kind of comfortably in between them. It's more arcadey than a straight up sim, but it's more simmy than it is straight up arcade. So it rides that line in between. And it there are elements of sim to it you know like you shift the power around you can shift the power to shields you can shift the power to weapons and engines and it has an effect on the ship that you're in um but outside of that a lot of the moment to moment feels kind of arcadey although they do have support for you know um i think it's called a hotas so like hands-on stick and throttle throttle and stick something like that um but you know like a full joystick that you use um and and i do have friends that are playing that way and they seem to enjoy it it also has support for v uh, like vr like full support through the whole game so if you have a vr headset you can jump into the cockpit of an x-wing or a tie fighter and i think being in the cockpit of those ships even though i don't have vr i was playing it on a tv it was really cool to feel like you're in these ships. And I like the fact that you're switching between them in the campaign and you're switching between them in multiplayer because every ship on each side of the New Republic and the Imperial Remnant, they all feel unique, every one of them. And it's not even just that it's like a palette swap from faction to faction. 
each individual ship feels unique, even though it has like a counterpart on the other side. But the TIE bomber feels different than the Y wing. You know, just like the TIE fighter feels different than an X wing. And they do a really good job of it. You know, some of the things are classic, like an X wing has shields, whereas like a TIE fighter just has more hull, but it doesn't have any shields at all. Um, but every single one of them has a different feel once you get into the cockpit and you start playing around with it, which kind of brings us to, again, that gameplay outside of the campaign, the multiplayer stuff. And I think the multiplayer is kind of the main draw for most people. Almost everyone else I know that's playing it, they keep talking about the multiplayer and how they jumped into it almost right away. And that's what they're spending all their time with. For me, it was fine. Like the multiplayer was okay, but it didn't really hook me. It didn't really have any staying power for me. I played it for a couple nights in a row and then I kind of had had my fill of it. I saw what the multiplayer was offering and I was ready for the next thing. Whereas the campaign actually kept me involved for like three pretty long gameplay sessions, you know, two, three hours each um, until I beat the campaign. I, I loved playing through the campaign because it gave me another excuse to be in the world of Star Wars. Whereas the multiplayer was just... You know, it was a multiplayer thing in a game that I was enjoying for the single player. So I already moved on from it. But despite that, I still feel like I got my money's worth. I feel like I got my $40 out of it. I would love to see more games that are of this scope and scale. And what I mean by that is that there are a lot of games that are kind of in the, you know, let's call it five to like 35 maybe $40 price point that are from indie developers. And some of them that are more like that 30 to 40 price point, those tend to be like double A developers or people that had a Kickstarter game or something like that. We don't really see a whole lot of $40 price point games from big name developers and big name publishers like EA. Like, it's so incredible to me that this game came out from EA and it's $40. I just, it's not something we typically see. But the polish is there, you know? It's not $60 polish, but it's definitely $40 polish. And it's from a developer and a studio and a publisher that knows how to do big production values. Um, it, it's just cool because they scoped it down. They really narrowed what they wanted the game to be. They made it that, and then they finished it, and now they're on to whatever the next thing is. And I would love to see EA and Activision and some of these big developers, big publishers do more games of this scale in that like $40 price point range and just see what they come up with because it doesn't have to be as all-encompassing and as perfectly polished as a $60 game would be. People are more willing to accept like, hey, this is a really solid game, but it's not the be-all, end-all, everything game. Um so yeah, we'll see. We'll see if more come out like that in the future. But I hope they do because I'm very curious to know what those would look like. And one of the interesting things about Star Wars, and one of the reasons that I bounced off of this multiplayer, is because this is a brand new Star Wars game. I should be incredibly hyped for it, and I really did enjoy the single player game. Um, but even though this Star Wars game just came out, I've actually been playing almost all Genshin Impact. Like that's what I've been doing with my time for the last couple weeks here um and i really want to talk about it but i know bj has been playing genshin impact also so i'm gonna wait until he's back next week and i think that's gonna be the main topic because i have so many thoughts on that game if you haven't heard of it it's a really interesting game it's coming out of a chinese development studio um it just launched in the u.s and it's good and it's free to play and it's on mobile and it's on pc it's on ps4 if you haven't looked at it, it costs you literally $0. You might as well go take a look because we're going to talk about it next week. And I have so many thoughts about that game. 
I have some geekery, but before I get to that, don't forget, you can support the podcast. Uh, we have Patreon, which is actually Patreon these days for the Press Start magazine. That is at patreon.com slash geek to geekcast And don't forget, we're part of a network. We have podcasts, we have streamers, we have the geekery blog, all that and more at geek2geekmedia.com slash subscribe. And just like the last few weeks, this week we are sponsored by Funimation. And pre-recorded BJ is here to tell you more about it. Does your love of anime know no bounds? Is your truest form in front of a screen, bewildered and excited as muscle-bound high schoolers shoot lasers and magical girls fly on angel wings? Then you must be brimming with that unbeatable anime protagonist energy, and the only way you can let it out is Funimation. Thanks to their massive library filled with hundreds of subs and dubs, when a series finale leaves you heartbroken, you can start the process all over with a new show. You know, back in the day, anime fans eagerly longed for the latest episodes, while Japan was already full seasons ahead. That sucked. But those days are long gone because Funimation has episodes available to stream the same day they air in Japan and dubbed within two weeks. With a Funimation subscription, you also gain access to members-only content and shop exclusives, meaning you can finally reach the peak of your fandom power. You can begin your free trial and start streaming ad-free anime today. Go to Funimation.com slash subscribe now and download our app and start your free trial. That's Funimation.com slash subscribe now. Also, from now to the end of October, Funimation is giving away free three-month Premium Plus subscriptions to one of our listeners every week. That means that one new winner for each week of the month. To enter, all you have to do is respond to one of at Geek2GeekCast posts on social media with hashtag FunimationGiveaway. Yep, all you have to do is respond to one of our posts with the hashtag FunimationGiveaway, and you could walk away with a free three-month Premium Plus subscription. So make sure to follow at Geek2GeekCast, and of course, at Funimation. Thank you for that sponsorship. Um, I have a little bit of weekly geekery this week. So I have been working through my backlog of revisiting the Assassin's Creed games, and it's been interesting. So I beat Revelations a few weeks ago. It's maybe a month ago now. Um, and it's that's a fascinating game because it picks up right where Assassin's Creed Brotherhood le- leaves off. Um, and you like finish your ancestors' memories, and it, it does this really good job of tying the Ezio story into the Altair story, and kind of wrapping a bow on the first like four games in the series. Um, it's really cool because like Desmond, which is the character in the real world, his memories are all tangled up with Altair and Ezio, and so the whole premise of the game is that you have to untangle those by playing through the rest of Ezio's memories and kind of seeing what's going on. And <laughs> Ezio in this one is such a badass from the very first mission. Um, he's old Ezio at this point. You know, he's probably in his late 40s, maybe 50s. It's hard to tell, um, but. I just love that he has aches and he has pains and it's not as easy as it used to when he was like in his 20s and he could just bounce off of anything and take any punishment and keep going. Um, I'm starting to feel that way, even though I'm only in my 30s. I'm not all the way to old Ezio yet, but I will be at some point. We all get there. And uh, the other interesting thing about uh, Revelations is 
it's set in a new city, a completely like different part of the world. So it's in Constantinople. And um, it's all about searching for the keys that open up the library of the original Assassin's Creed Fortress from Assassin's Creed 1 in Mos IF. And it has a bunch of new gimmicks, just like every Assassin's Creed. You know, it has bomb customization. They really want you to use the bombs, even though you don't have to touch them. Um, there's a hook blade, which is kind of cool for sliding around. They added a whole tower defense layer, which is not great but it's okay um obviously they're just like throwing stuff at the wall to see what what would stick but the best parts about revelations are actually just the small refinements that they did from the systems that they added in the previous game assassin's creed brotherhood so all of those assassin's creed brotherhood gimmicks are here too you know rebuilding the order but this time you're in constantinople and they've just refined them and made them more fun. So it's good in that sense. Um, it's probably the most ambitious story of the SEO trilogy. It's the last one too. But the gameplay itself is still just iterative, even though the story is like pushing and it's ambitious. But the gameplay is, it is what it is, you know? Uh, I also went back and gave Black Flag a visit. And Assassin's Creed Black Flag, it's still, I think, the best open world pilot, pi, pilot, pirate simulator game out there. Um, if you want to be a pirate in the open world, Assassin's Creed Black Flag will get you there. Um, it's more of a pirate game than an Assassin's game, but it does it so well that I'm not even mad at it. You know, um, I've always liked this game. The main addition in Black Flag was really fleshing out the ship-to-ship mechanics that they had introduced in some of the other games, but they built it into a full gameplay system. And it made the whole open world super fun to mess around in because you have these kind of two main modes that you can switch between. You can be on foot running around as, you know, a pirate assassin, or you can be on a ship and you can do ship combat, ship exploration. You can upgrade your ship. It's like a whole nother entity and gameplay system on top of just the normal Assassin's Creed stuff. And it works really well. So it's like whenever you need a change of pace, you can switch. If you're on foot, go get in your ship and do stuff. If you've been on the ship for a while, go jump off and go visit an island on foot or whatever. Um, and it gives you it gives you this good balance of the two. The thing I ran into on PS4, which I would completely forgot about, is that you can't actually suspend and resume this game the way that you can almost everything on modern consoles. Um, it completely killed my replayability of this game. I, I don't know if I had originally played it on PS4, and maybe that's why I never noticed, but I'm so used to just being able to hit that PlayStation button to suspend a game and then put the system to sleep and come back later. I forgot that some games early on in the lifespan of the system didn't have that ability. Like, that's just crazy to think of these days because it's just a core feature of the system that we always expect. I mean, you know that if you're going to, like, try to suspend a game and you're playing something online, that it might error out. You might, you know, there, there are consequences there. But this is a single-player game. Like, I can't remember the last single-player game on PlayStation that I wasn't able to just suspend and then come back and resume later. So... Even though I replayed a little bit of it and I revisited it for a few hours, that one thing alone made it so that I couldn't actually get back into this game. So I thought that was just fascinating how far we've come from those days. I also gave Assassin's Creed Unity a shot, which was the first PlayStation 4 and Xbox One like exclusive Assassin's Creed game. So it was really the first one that was fully the next generation and didn't go cross generation because like black flag was on some of the old systems and the new systems um this one was not and assassin's creed unity it was really rough at launch um and at the time it had a lot of bugs it's kind of interesting because even all these years later 
it's still buggy. Like I ran into three bugs within a minute of loading this game and I just couldn't stop laughing because I was like, I remember this game being a little bit buggy and I hit three bugs in the first minute. It was just, it was nuts. Um, I must not have loved this one the first time I played through it. I mean, I, I remember it. I remember games pretty well after I beat them, but most Assassin's Creed games, I really go out of my way before the end of the game to get my completion percentage up. I almost never do 100% in Assassin's Creed games, but I'll wander the world. I'll really enjoy it. I'll feel like I get my fill before I go and I do the last story missions. So it was interesting to me to see that my completion in Assassin's Creed Unity was only 35%. That's really low for me. Usually I'm somewhere in like the 70% plus range by the time I beat one of these games. So 35 is super low. Um, this one did introduce some new things. It introduced like tech trees to unlock skills. It had this focus on multiplayer, which was interesting, but it didn't really pan out very well, in my opinion, anyway. Um, they overhauled how climbing and free running works, and they changed up the visual language and some of the controls. It just, it doesn't play like any of the other Assassin's Creed games. And, you know, it's ambitious for trying to change so much but it's not good for trying to change it. And it's really fascinating to me how when you look at this and then you look at Assassin's Creed Syndicate, which was the next one that came out, they they took a couple of the things that didn't really work in Unity and just completely threw them out the door. And then some of the things that kind of half worked, they refined and they made better. So Assassin's Creed Syndicate is really, really interesting because... It, it looks at where they failed with Unity and it makes it so much better. And then it takes a lot of thoughts from the older games and brings them back in and improves them for the modern day. So Assassin's Creed Syndicate, I think, is actually like one of the... If it's not... It is actually probably the best of the old style of Assassin's Creed games. Um, it's so good. Like Assassin's Creed Syndicate is just so good. Uh, it's this late 1800s Industrial Revolution England, and um, it has two main characters. You have Evie Fry and Jacob Fry. Evie Fry is an amazing character. She's fantastic. I love her every time that I get to be her. Jacob Fry is okay. He's fine. I mean, he's there, but he's he's just kind of fine. Um, this game has these amazing set piece, piece missions that are unlike anything else in the entire Assassin's Creed series. Like, they do set pieces sometimes. None of the games did it as well as Syndicate did. And Syndicate just, it shines for that alone. Um, it takes all of these features that they tried in Unity, it fixes them, it combines them with everything that worked better in the previous generation of Assassin's Creed games, and then it smooths it all out into this great gameplay experience. And I just think that that game does not get the credit that it deserves since everybody was so negative on the series after Unity, and Unity left such a bad taste in people's mouth that... Not a lot of people gave Assassin's Creed Syndicate the time of day that it deserved. And oh, I mean, I think that's one of the worst things that happened to the series is that there was such a backlash from Unity that they did not try Syndicate. And I think that Syndicate is like one of the best Assassin's Creed games that they've ever made. I also dipped my toe back into Origins and Odyssey, even though those are very fresh in my mind because those are the latest two Assassin's Creed games. And Origins... It's interesting because I knew what to expect this time and I still was disappointed. Like, there is no stealth assassination game in Origins. It is a melee combat RPG. And I still think that if you are looking for an open world 
Egypt-based, like Egypt as your setting, action RPG, then Assassin's Creed Origin is a great game for that. But if you're looking for a stealth game with assassination in it, like literally every game in the series up to this point, you will be disappointed in this game. It just doesn't have it. It doesn't, it's missing. Like there's this core piece of the DNA that just isn't there. And, you know, they added some things. It's not like everything Origins did was bad because it's not. It's still a really competent open world RPG. It's just not the same type of game. You know, they added things like you can look around with your bird. You can do like auto following on roads to get to objectives and things. Um, they made the world much, much bigger than any of the Assassin's Creed games before it. And it's awesome. Like it, it's a really cool world when you just wander around and explore. And you can see the through line from that to Assassin's Creed Odyssey. And Odyssey is the one where I came around on this formula because they started refining it and they did better than Origins. So Assassin's Creed Odyssey is the ancient Greek one. And again, just like Origin was a good like open world Egypt RPG, Assassin's Creed Odyssey is a really good ancient Greek RPG. It's better than Origins. And a lot of that comes down to lots of these little improvements that they did that add up. They brought it, I don't want to say back towards the original series, but they make more concessions to people that enjoyed all of the games before Origins, and they don't push it into such a, it, you don't have to be so like melee focused. It's not all about combat, you know? You have some more choices in Odyssey, even though it doesn't quite come back as far as I would like it to. I would still love to see more of the stealth assassin stuff, and hopefully we get that in Valhalla. We'll see here in a couple weeks. It's only weeks away now. Um, but yeah, lots of improvements all around. And I love that they tied a bunch of the mythical Greek legends into the meta-narrative with Odyssey. That was maybe one of my most favorite parts of it, is that the weird level of meta-narrative around aliens and these like objects of power in the world that are happening in like modern day in the Assassin's Creed games, all of that comes back in Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and they tie it all into ancient Greek myth. And it's just, I don't know, I it's jumped the shark, but it has finally embraced it and just it's running with it. And, you know, I have to applaud it for that a little bit. So that kind of wraps up my Assassin's Creed revisit. I went back and touched on literally every game except for the very original, because that one is actually hard to find to play somewhere. Um but yeah, I feel like I'm ready for Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I want to see what the next one is. I want to see what it brings. Um, at the very least, it's going to be another refinement of this just open world action RPG. And hopefully they bring back more of the stealth assassination, which used to be kind of core to the series and has kind of gotten left behind the last two games. It looks like they're doing some of that, but I mean, I, I won't know until I get my hands on it in a few weeks here. But yeah, that game is coming out in... Uh, like mid-November, early to mid-November. So it's not far away at this point. That's probably it for this week. Uh, BJ will be back next week and we are going to talk Genshin Impact because I'm kind of low-key obsessed with that game at the moment. I don't know how long that will last, but for the moment, I have played that game almost every day for the last two weeks and I absolutely am loving my time with it. So if you have thoughts about that, you can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We also have great discussions on Slack and Discord. You can go to geek2geekmedia.com to get invite links for all of those things. Um, and don't forget, geek2geekmedia.com also has blogs, video game reviews, articles. It has our digital magazine, Press Start, all of that stuff. 
Um, I blog at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at GRN Mushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E's on Twitter. I'm also on the Disney Forever podcast, where we watch and react to a different Disney movie every week. I've been Void this week with your Geek to Geek podcast. BJ will be back next week. But that'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. When toxic culture has you down. When you're just looking to laugh and have fun. Kick back and enjoy watching a video game. Or just make some new friends. It's time to visit the Geek2Geek Media Network. A community of podcasters, streamers, and bloggers. Well, more of a family than a community. All dedicated to geeking out about the things we love. Things like... Video games. Star Wars. Comics. Movies. K-pop. Disney Plus. Keanu. Keanu Reeves. New. Or whatever our community decides is the next best thing. That's right. We have a great online community on Slack and Discord where we chat about our weekly geekery with listeners and viewers. And each other. Yep. And each other in real time. And we can't wait for you to join us. So come check us out at geek2geekmedia.com. And escape toxic fandom for something much more... Keanu? Yes. Keanu.